Welcome to our 56th episode of Breaking Bread with C on Relentless Pursuit. My name is Celestia Mundu. I am your host on this podcast. Um, last time I spoke about living in the Spirit and really breaking down how Jesus and the Holy Spirit come in agreement. They pray for us continuously. What does it mean when the high priest and the light come together and intercede for us. I gave an example on the mountain when um, Joshua, the Israelites were being, were in a battle and, 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 and Moses is at the top of the mountain, Exodus 17, 9, and he's with Aaron, Aaron, who is a representation of Jesus as the high priest. And we have her who is a representation of light, the Holy Spirit, because her in Aramaic means light. And we have these two individuals. They are holding the hands of Moses because when Moses, who is the representation of our sinful nature, our body that survived by the law before Christ came in, when he laid his hands down, they were losing. But when he kept his hands up praying, they were winning. So when they realized that that's what, that's what was going on and Moses' hands were tired, Aaron took one side, her stood on the other side, and they lifted Moses' hands up because he was not able to stay in that posture for a long time. Now, if you're a human being, obviously, you know that you can only keep your hands up, raised up for a certain amount of time. Then you will be tired and put them down. And that shows us our physical frailty, the weaknesses that exist in our bodies as human beings, and how these limitations, if we rely on our own self to do certain things, it shows us that we are not actually capable of doing it. The presence of Aaron and her on the mountain with Moses makes all the difference because they can hold his arms and the pressure of him having to hold it himself is lifted from him. The hands are still up because else the battle will be lost if his hands go down. But the the pressure, the energy, the strength that it requires on him is in these two men who are helping him. This is a very powerful realization when you come to it because you realize that the pressure that should be on you to accomplish and perform and do certain things is actually alleviated from you when you allow Jesus to step in and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So that's why in the previous chapter, it says that who then is left to condemn us, not Jesus, the anointed one, because he gave his life for us. It wouldn't make any sense for him to condemn us when he just died for us. And he said, even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen. He's exalted and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for us? So, If God tells you, I, as God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, I don't condemn you because I died for you that you may not be condemned in the first place. But you, or me, who is here, me as Celeste, I take my own sins, the things in which I fell short of, and I condemn myself. 
The same way it sounds absurd that a judge can say, I don't condemn this person. And then some random person in the crowd comes and say, no, me, I condemn them. Their, their word has nothing after the word of the verdict of the judge has been spoken. And if the judge has said not guilty, there's nothing you're going to say that's going to change it. So the reality of it is the same for us with God. He says, I have not condemned you. And then you live your life with guilt and shame condemning yourself. Because when he says nobody can condemn you, you are also part of the nobodies. You're also part of those nobodies who cannot condemn. And it doesn't matter if you're condemning others or condemning yourself. So it's very important to reconcile these understandings in scripture. But today, I wanted to lay my emphasis on Romans 8.35, which is the following verse, again in the Passion Translation, because I really wanted to reconcile these two, but break them down in smaller teachings so that you don't lose, um, you don't lose the, 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 the treasure that is in meditating on it in small portions. Because this can be a very abstract subject if someone does not pause and try to apply it to real life and see that it's actually possible. So Romans 8.35, he says who could ever divorce us from the endless love of God's anointed one absolutely no one when we say absolutely no one yourself included you cannot take yourself out of God's love there's nothing you can do that can make him love you less it's impossible for nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love towards us Now, that is not a licensure to sin. That is not an excuse to do wrong and say, you know what, God loves me anyway, so I'm still doing my thing. No. Actually, you become so amazed. Like, how can you still love me even with all this filth? And he says, I bought you with my blood for that same reason. That when you allow me, this blood washes you. And your responses to sin and to human nature continue to decrease one by one. And before you know it, it's not your first response anymore. But the things that you feel yourself by reading my word, by listening to the spirit at work in you, they do. They make all the difference. They change your response. If you're a hot-tempered person and you don't respond, in anger even the people around you start to question what has happened why why isn't he responding the way he usually does it's because you have encountered something and he goes on to say troubles pressures problems all these are unable to come between us and heaven's love what about persecutions what about the privations what about dangers or death threats what about depression What about fornication? What about addiction? What about lies? What about um, immorality? All of these things are still not able to separate you from God's love. And when that understanding hit my spirit, friends, I tell you, something flipped. Something flipped. I started to not see sin as something so big that I have no power over But I started to see it as something so defeated, so small, so ridiculous, that actually my shame would come from giving it the power to load over me. It's like saying you're giving a three-year-old the permission to make a life-changing decision. 
You are giving a three-year-old to decide what kind of house you're going to buy as if they understand the economy, they understand your finances, they understand how you are standing in the bank. You leave them that decision and they say, okay, this is the house that they want. They're probably going to choose the most colorful, probably the biggest, the most expensive. Maybe you can even afford it in that moment, but you just say, because my three-year-old said so. Do you get how ridiculous that sounds? So when you look at sin in that way, like this has no power. There's something superior than that. And that's the love of God that tells me whatever of this that I could engage in has no power to separate me from him. Then my mind travels to the understanding that actually what is preserving me has more power than this. If I focus on what is preserving me, these things begin to grow strangely dim. I find myself unable to reach out for that bottle. I find myself unable to take my hands where they shouldn't be and masturbate and watch pornography and fornicate and desire things that are not ethical or divine. And he says, no, these things are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Now, for those of you who know or have any understanding whatsoever of biology, you know that impotency is the term that we use when a man is not able to give substantial seed to produce children. When the problem is not the woman who can't conceive, receive the seed and transform it into something else as our bodies are wired to. But the seed that the man gives is emptied of the substance that now brings this whole, um, I can't remember the word in English, but brings this connection between the ovary and makes a child. Now, impotency is even more painful to know that you are impotent in a certain manner because this man has the genitals. This man has the physical capacity to do what it takes, but his seed is emptied of the substance that creates a child. And the Bible here is telling us that these things have the cap like they have the presence they have the physical ability they have a way with it and they can definitely lead to sin but they've been deprived of the substance that can make that thing be held against you the same way a man can have that seed they can have the the, the physical organs to to sleep with a woman and produce a child but their seed has no substance to produce that child yet the seed is there the organs are there but that seed that substance is not there it's the same way these things precious troubles all of this is deprived of the substance that could hinder your your the love of God towards you so friends meditate on this word understand how powerful that is wow wow and wow that is the love of God towards us. That is how he sees you. When you come before him and acknowledge that there is something you did in ignorance, there is something you did because your heart could not grasp the essence of what's going on. Because we know when we do wrong. We have an innate ability to tell when we are doing something wrong. We know it. And that's the Holy Spirit at work in us. You might not see it physically. It might not be something dramatic. But I promise you, every person who has the Holy Spirit knows almost as instantly when they do something wrong. 
you say something and you're like, mm, maybe I shouldn't have said that. There's no confidence that backs it up. That's the inner witness. It's something that I can't materialize. I can't draw it. I can't explain it. You have to feel it to know it. You have to experience it to know it. And that's the reality that we've been given. As sons and daughters of God, when that nudge comes into your heart, you know. That's why the Bible says you have an unction from on high. You know all things. You know all things. The fact that human beings have just narrowed down to something we call intuition. Psychologists coined that phrase and say it's just intuition. Oh, I knew that I should do this. Or something told me that if I called it something, something, something. What is that something? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And at the entrance of his word is light. So that word enters you, that inner witness reminds you of a scripture in a particular moment and you do the right thing in response to that. That is the Holy Spirit. And this is not specific or particular for a certain man of God. It's not for people who have spent 30 hours in prayer. It's for lovers of the presence of God. If I have a glass and I fill it with orange juice until it goes to the brim and starts to to spill over, it's not going to spill water because in the glass there's juice. So if you fill yourself with the word of God, in times of crisis or in times of of joy, what will spill is what you have filled yourself with. So you will begin to spill scripture. There are people who sit and they just start to talk and they have a scripture for everything you can imagine. Why? They might not tell you it's written in this book exactly, exactly. They might have to double check. But because they've come across it, they've been in the presence of God enough to just hear this thing even fly over their head. They've been to church enough to catch it in a sermon one time. And it's, it's stuck in them. They will leak of that. They will spill over because they are filled with that. So these things are not possible if you're not exposed to this. It's like you're a glass, you want to spill over with water, and yet it's empty. There's nothing in the glass so that it can spill over in the first place. So shall we pray? Father, we bless your name for this word. We thank you that at the entrance of your word is light. We thank you that all things are made new. All things have come. And we know all things because we have an unction from on high. I give you glory, I give you honor, I give you praise. And I thank you for every single person who's been set free by this word, by the entrance of this word. Let light fill their bodies, let light fill their souls, mind and spirit. In the name of our Lord Jesus, it is so and cannot be otherwise. Amen. See you same time next week. You are blessed. Uh, You have a conquered week ahead of you. Be the light, be the salt to the world.